Welcome to the Half Hippie Podcast. I am so excited about today's episode because we're going to talk about traveling and my guest today is a very, very special friend. She's been traveling since she was about 14 and she's been to around 30 countries. She and I actually met at Ohio University and we've been friends since then, so about 20-something years. (laughs) Uh, She moved to Prague after graduation and she's been living in the Czech Republic ever since. She's an English teacher, a dog mom, an avid reader, and my very best friend. I'm so honored to introduce you to Tassie Gibson. You're listening to the Half Hippie Podcast with Tara Milo. I'm a half hippie, half princess, cat mom, city girl, introvert, and entrepreneur. I don't fit into a box, and you don't either. But I'm committed to making the world a better place through my lifestyle and my business. I love talking about sustainability because I know that you can make a positive difference without giving up the things you love. Here on the Half Hippie Podcast, we're talking about sustainability and entrepreneurship. We'll share stories about what makes us all half hippie and what our other half does to make a positive impact in the world. Let's go. I was, oh my goodness. Well, it depends who you ask. When I started traveling, that it was my choice. Um, I was 14. My first big trip was to Thailand. Um, But my grandparents love to tell the story that when I was about four or five, they took me to South Carolina to visit my aunt and uncle. And that the whole time I was just sitting in the van because they had one of those like 1980s style, you know, driving (laughs) vans cross country. Um, And I was just sitting in the windows looking out and so happy to be on the road. So it's in my DNA. Your little Sagittarius heart was ready. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) (laughs) And how many countries have you been to? Oh my gosh, Tara. I don't know. Um, A lot. (laughs) Yeah. Most of them? I've I've been to, I think I counted the European ones once and it's like over 25. Yeah. And then out of Europe, I've been to Bolivia. And to India, Thailand, Vietnam. Around 30. Around 30. Let's talk about hippies. So what do you think a hippie is? (laughs) Um, Well, my mom was a hippie. Um, That's why I have a crazy name. You have good stories from your mom's hippie days. My mom's hippie days. Um, I don't know when I hear the word hippie. So I definitely have that like image in my head of the 1960s, 1970s flower child, like wants peace on earth and is free spirited. Um, so I, I get the, the nostalgic mm-hmm. um, view of hippie. Uh, which is probably a bit different than the modern view of hippie, which is more someone who probably likes Instagram and taking pretty pictures. (laughs) Wait, is that a hipster or a hippie? (laughs) That's true. It's true. (laughs) Don't confuse us. (laughs) No, we blend the hipsters and the hippies. Okay. Did you ever identify as a hippie or admire hippies? 
Um, definitely. I remember, oh, maybe junior high or ninth grade, you know, that um, when you're just entering puberty sort of stage, I did my whole room in sunflowers and I had the sunflower dresses with the knockoff Doc Martens. Oh, what? Um, yeah. So I was really into, I, I don't know if I would have, well, yeah, I probably would have said hippie. I also had the bell bottoms. Oh my gosh. Um, I think my mom's little hippie heart was the happiest it had ever been when I went through that stage. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot picture you in these dresses. The bell bottoms I can see. That is Yeah, so you remember those dresses, the like baby doll dresses yeah. that were super popular. Yeah, I had like 20 of well, probably not 20, but I had a lot of them. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> uh yeah, it definitely starts as a fashion thing, but there are some values too. But for for I think a lot of us, it starts as like the fashion and the flower child. Yeah, I think that there's something um, very deeply connected between the outward way that you portray your inward beliefs. Yeah. You know, I think that that's why fashion is more valuable than just um, that it's something that you wear. I think it's the the way that you tell the world what you think and how you think and how you see um society around you yeah for sure that's so true and that's something that I've always just a little tangent but I've always kind of struggled with that because I'm like I am a hippie but I dress like a preppy I don't wear long flowing skirts (laughs) I don't dress like a hippie and I'm always like I want to dress like a hippie but I just don't But you have your cute little leggings and your cute little skirt. Yeah, I'm getting better. I'm getting into it now. I feel a little more liberated now, but I never did. I did always have my hair parted in the middle. I had that for a long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have like the board straight blonde hair that I like to wear long. So yeah, I can can get away with it with my hair, but the, the clothes... I don't know. I always want to dress like a hippie with the flowers and all that, but someday <laughs> when I live on a farm. <laughs> exactly. You grow into these things. Um, so nowadays, what's something that you do that's totally hippie or like your favorite hippie thing to do? Oh, that's a good question. I... So I would say I'm kind of a minimalist in a way, not not like 100% minimalist, because if you see my bookshelf, no one would call that a minimalist lifestyle. Um, but I <laughs> definitely hit up the thrift, sh- thrift stores um, more than I buy fast fashion or anything. Um, just yes. because kind of what we were talking about, I'm not a fashion, you know me, I'm not a fashionista at all. Um, but usually you can find fun, cool things in the second hand shops that you don't find normally. This year I haven't bought anything. <laughs> Super minimalist in 2020. Um, and I would say my eating habits border on hippie. Not always, but, um, 
Mm. I, you and I have talked about this before. I mostly try to be vegetarian at home for um, environmental reasons. So uh, I think that's kind of a hipster thing. I like going to the farmer's markets or the farmer's shop across the street. Um, So I would say it's probably around my buying habits and eating habits. Although, as this podcast is called Half Hippie, I'm definitely not (laughs) stringent um, that I would never go into H&M. I would go into H&M if I needed something or I was looking for something specific, but um, it's not my go-to. Right. Yeah. I love your farmer's market in Prague. It is so hippie. Like it's in a big open field. The one that you took me to in the fall last year. Yes. Yeah. That was a little paradise. Someone's up there playing their guitar and singing while people are eating street food. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And dogs are allowed. Yes. It's just so like (laughs) in the earth. I loved it. It was very cool. Hmm. What's something you do that's definitely not hippie? Like not going to H&M once in a while, but something you're like, nope, this is what I do and I'm doing it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think if I have some kind of <laughs> capitalist <laughs> tendencies. That <laughs> if I've been reading Atlas Shrugs. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, well... I don't know if it would be like anti-hippie, but um, I like cheap chocolate. (laughs) Okay. I I know that you're supposed to like the good stuff and I will buy the good stuff, especially, you know, um, now because of the, the eczema issues I've been having, I've been eating basically no dairy products. So buying vegan chocolate and those sorts of things. So that increases the quality of the products that I'm buying. But man, a Ritter Sport, like a, do you know Ritter yes, Sport? Do you have yes, yes. Oh my God. A Ritter Sport milk chocolate with hazelnuts in it. That's <laughs> your thing. And there's so much wrong with that because hazelnuts, like that's an evil thing to buy and milk chocolate from the big companies. <laughs> like I know there are major ethical problems there, but every once in a while I'm like, I would kill someone for a Ritter Sport right now. <laughs> Yep, yep, I get it. We all have our thing. I love a hot shower. You know me. Mm-hmm. When you stayed here, it was like, listen, it's going to be 45 minutes before we walk out the door because I'm going <laughs> to my shower isn't 45 minutes, but I'm going to take a long hot shower. That's what I do. <laughs> but the chocolate, mm-hmm. I totally get it. I was looking for I think Ritter Sport has the dark chocolate with Yes. What's the white creamy stuff that I love? Marzipan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So. Yeah, that one's a good one mm-hmm. too. Oh, I feel you on that. I don't know what they put. I think they put crack in Ritter Sport because I'm telling you, I've never had a bad Ritter Sport. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, now let's talk about traveling because I really admire the way you travel. You seem to go for a rich experience while also having a lot of awareness about your impact on the planet and the people you visit and just 
you seem so conscious of the way you travel. So tell me, what do you love about traveling? Oh my gosh. So what I love about traveling, and it's something I've loved since I was a little kid, like little, little kid. Um, I love being someplace and knowing that no one on the entire planet knows where I am at that moment. Um, I find it, maybe it's the introvert in me, incredibly liberating to be like, no one knows I'm standing on this exact brick in this square <laughs> at 1.48 on a Tuesday. Um, so I think it's that getting lost, but being lost in the middle of people and in the middle of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and on the other side, I love connecting with people. Yeah. So although um, I love traveling alone, solo travel is my favorite, um, as you know, but I also love connecting with the people around. And I just have such amazing experiences and stories where, you know, you're sitting on a plane and suddenly you make a friend that's still a friend five years later. Or um, a couple years ago, Tony, my little dog, And I were on a train and met a woman teaching in Budapest that I ended up going and visiting. Um, So I just love that you make that human connection when you travel. Yeah, you're so good at that because we're both high introverts. But when I travel, I'm very quiet. And you're really good at meeting people and talking to them, which to me is just shocking and beyond. Like I don't do that. And I wish I did that more. Because you have better stories, but I'm just sit there and watch, and I'm I'm just the people watcher, and I don't meet new people, and I really love it that you do because I think you get a, a more rich experience from that. Sounds very cool. I think it's the two hats um, that I wear in life because I, you know, I teach English, and so my whole job is that I have to speak to people for at least an hour (laughs) in one go and ask them questions. So it's kind of like being an actor. Um, I wear a hat where I have to engage with people, and that is just a costume. And then the real me is the, the little introvert soul that's like... Do to do, I'll just be over here by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think somehow traveling allows me to inhabit that second personality. Yeah, that's cool. So you can get lost at 148 on a Tuesday, (laughs) but you also engage and ask people questions. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. Hmm. That's something I love about traveling to going to a place where I don't know the language. And you yeah. just get lost there and it it feels so liberating. Mm-hmm. And you can be in your own head and it's very meditative because you don't know what's going on. So you can't listen. You can't see if people are talking about you. You just have to be. And Yeah, it's very true. You are in your own head um, when you're in a language environment that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then the opposite is when you go back to a country where you do understand the language, like you go back to the U S or you go to the UK and suddenly everyone sounds like they're shouting at you. Yes, it's so noisy. <laughs> I know. 
No, that's so true. I'm like, I can hear you talking about sandwiches and I don't care (laughs) when I'm somewhere. It's funny. I remember when I started to really understand Czech, you know, I'd been here for a couple of years. Czech language is quite difficult. And um, I, I realized suddenly that, oh, I was understanding almost all the conversations happening around me if I was sitting on the tram or the metro. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that about 85% of the conversations happening around me were about food. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of being on the tram, do you like cities or nature or beach? What's your best trip? Oh, I'm probably a mixed bag. Like if I'm doing a real solo travel or it's just me and my dog, um, well, no, let me take that back. If I'm doing a real solo travel just for me, um, then I prefer to go to more populated areas. So I would prefer by myself a solo trip to be in a city or a town um, to engage Mm. with people around me, the culture around me. If I'm going to go hiking um, and it's me and my dog – then I prefer nature. I have taken Tony to cities before. It's doable. Um, it's not as enjoyable for him or for me because you have to make compromise. Um, and I've done solo outdoor uh, trips before. But also it's not as enjoyable because um, you you want to enjoy the nature with someone um and and especially a dog that's the best <laughs> company to have on a trip like that so i think i'm kind of like 50/50 yeah. that would be my answer i can i'm not a person that definitely is like only cities or only nature mm. um but the one thing i'm not is a beach girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like to be close to water uh you and i actually one of our trips we went to Croatia um and we went kayaking in the Mediterranean which was just amazing um and so like that like a day where you spend it on the water that was amazing but if someone told me to go sit on a beach for a week Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd handle that well Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the same I prefer city and then nature and the beach is last for me but that trip and that experience kayaking in the Mediterranean is like a lifetime memory that was just the coolest day wasn't it because the city was in the background it was the coolest amazing it was it was so good and the tour guide do you remember he was so good and the information it's kind of ironic because what I remembered most about his um tour was talking about quarantining and that the concept of quarantining (laughs) was from Dubrovnik and he showed us do you remember that big building that sat on the edge of the town and he was like yeah the ships would come and they would put the people into this building and then they would monitor them and blah 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 um and I remember that vividly and when 2020 erupted I was like oh yeah quarantining (laughs) right I had forgotten about that but I can totally picture that building yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I remember 
seeing the naked people on the island in the middle. <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally <laughs> forgot about the naked people. It's Europe, Tara. We see naked people all the time. <laughs> that was new for me. <laughs> you were used to that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, well, let's talk about traveling sustainably because we're half hippie, so we're still traveling even though we know that it's a sin, whatever, but <laughs> we want to travel. We love to travel. We're passionate about it. We can't all take a sailboat like Greta can. Right. Good for her, but mm -hmm. the rest of us are going to hop on an airplane and travel when we can. Mm -hmm. So how can we make it work? What do you, th well, what do, you I do? Practically, um, there are a lot of small things that you can do. Um, and you and I, in our travels together and separately, have talked about this a lot. One of the basic things you can do is carry your own water bottle. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this is Half Hippie Podcast, so I totally understand there are times when you've got to buy a bottle of water. Sure. Don't pass out in the middle <laughs> of Rome because would, you're not going to spend a euro and have a plastic bottle. Yeah, I would do that because I'm a martyr about plastic water bottles. So it's a good reminder for me to like just, yeah, sometimes you have to buy water, but yeah. Bring a, yes. And then reuse that bottle. Like, you know, yeah. you don't have to throw that bottle away. Once you've got it, reuse it. But um, yeah, I think definitely traveling with your own water bottle. One of the best gifts you ever gave me was the platypus um, yes. water bottle because it goes flat into your backpack. You can roll it up. Um, I think I have three of them now. <laughs> yeah. I've collected them over the years because they're amazing. Um, so yeah, it's something that just always lives inside of my backpack and goes with me wherever. Yay. Um, so I think, yeah, carrying your own water bottle, um, when you travel, just being aware of how much you pack and how much you take with you. Um, when people talk about carbon footprints, like one of the ways that you contribute to that is by taking extra luggage or having extra weight with you when you travel. Um, I'm not a person that can get it down to a tiny backpack. I saw this woman on Facebook last week and she had like a little tiny backpack. She's like, I'm going to Europe for two weeks. Um, I need some toothpaste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, yeah. um, you don't need to take a suitcase for two weeks to Europe because you know, if you have a pair of tights and a skirt and two t-shirts, you can get away with a lot. You can. It's true. Comfortable mm -hmm. shoes and yeah, a couple of mm -hmm. options and you're fine. Exactly. You don't need a huge suitcase. Mm -hmm. What are your go-tos for sustainable travel? Well, those things for sure, the, the water bottle. But I have started bringing my own food containers. So I'll bring- oh, yes something like breakfast in a reusable container. And then I'll just keep that container with me. And if I go out to dinner or go to lunch, I can put the leftovers in that container and have it later and just kind of keep reusing that container. I have the best container. It's silicone and it mm. um, is like the accordion folding container. Yeah. So you can fold it down flat and then you can pop it out. Um, that is my very favorite container to travel with. 
Yep. And I just walk everywhere. That's yes. I don't take a car or a tax. I mean, you can take a car from the airport to wherever you're going, but from then I walk. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see the town, you get to explore wherever you're going, if it's a city or whatever. Um yeah, I'm a ridiculous walker. My friend Sarah, we went to Rome years ago together. And I looked at the map and was like, oh my gosh, we can walk to the catacombs. It's fine. And she said, really? And I said, yeah, look, it's four kilometers. That's like one hour walk. It's fine. Yeah, that (laughs) map was not to scale. And we walked for days to get to the catacombs. Got there like a half an hour before they were closing. And she said, I would have killed you (laughs) if we arrived and it was closed. It was fine. In the end, it was fine. Um, But (laughs) a year after that, she sent me the meme, which I've seen several times now, where it shows Google Maps and the point is from like South Africa to um, Siberia. And it's like, everyone has that friend that says, we don't need to take a car. We can walk. <laughs> it's like, this is you. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> you did that to me too once. <laughs> I think I've done that to everyone once. <laughs> You're like, we can walk. And we're walking in places we had no business walking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I think that was that trip to Dubrovnik as well, right? Because it's in two parts. And we tried to walk to the second part of the city. And it's like past an industrial shipyard it could have been uh, (laughs) yeah there were definitely like behind some factories yeah (laughs) yep that's that's me it does show that I trust you but also (laughs) we don't always have to walk no but it's it's a good way to explore and see things it's yeah 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 that's true that's true yeah um but I also like to try as much as possible to eat locally and not eat at the chain that you're used to Mm -hmm. I mean as a vegan it's hard to eat locally everywhere I go but you know to find a place that looks like it's a little more homegrown rather than some Americanized chain. Yeah. It's a good um, I mean, it's a it's an old tried and true method, but if you look inside and it's full of people and the menu isn't in English, you're probably good. <laughs> yes. Um, and I mean, you being vegan, it's a little bit harder, but basically you just order whatever on the menu and assume it's going to be good. And even if you end up with one thing that isn't good, mm-hmm. um you had an experience and it's really nice. You supported a local restaurant. Yeah. And you and I, when we travel, sometimes we'll buy food at the local farmer's market. So we're, we know we're getting food, you know, mm-hmm. produce and stuff from that city or from that area. And then one time we were walking back to our place and I was just picking herbs along the road because I'm like, oh, there's some rosemary. That one's time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to put some herbs in my pocket and we're going to cook dinner. (laughs) Yeah. And cooking, I mean, it depends um, where you're staying. Of course, if you're staying in a um, hotel or a bed and breakfast Mm -hmm. without a kitchen access, then it can be more difficult. But 
a lot of places these days, there's some kind of kitchen access. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great if you can cook your own food. I love going in foreign grocery stores. I don't know what it is, but just to go in and see the different labeling and the names of things. Um, I love going in foreign grocery stores. So that's a great way to make your travel a little bit cheaper and sustainable. Yes, for sure. And I think that's terrifying to go in foreign grocery stores. Before I moved here, I took four days and I went to the south of Portugal from the U.S., just Mm -hmm. to see if I could go in the grocery store and buy food myself. (laughs) That was the test for me. Like, can I move to Portugal? Number one thing, can I go to the grocery store? So Mm, I think when you have dietary needs or dietary restrictions, mm -hmm. um, those things definitely can be a little more trying. Um, Like when I was in Vietnam, I just ate everything off the street. Like (sighs) that's what you do there. Um, that's what the local people do there. So you literally just eat off the street. Um, and I, I don't have any, uh, dietary restrictions that are, you know, pressing. So, um, it was fine, but yeah, I can understand that if you do, it makes traveling just a little bit more demanding. Yes. But now I love it. Now when... Like if a friend is going to the grocery store, I'm like, I want to go to the store with you. Can I go? I want to explore this new grocery store. Like I'm just obsessed Mm -hmm. with food. So yeah, going to new grocery stores is fun. That's a good challenge for people to visit a foreign grocery store. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Because here in Portugal, they they salt the fish. So they get um, codfish, which they call bacalhau, but Mm -hmm. they – they rub it in salt and it's just sitting on the shelf. It's not wrapped in anything. It's not in plastic. It's not in paper. It's just a big, huge slab of fish in salt sitting on the shelf. It's insane. That's amazing. You have to see it. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it blows my mind. I'm like, this is not hygienic at all, but that's what they do. And they're pretty famous for their bacalhau, so I guess it works. There you go. <laughs> but Tassie, do you feel like you're losing any of the experience of traveling when you keep sustainability in mind? Because I feel like you do it naturally, but are you losing anything? Um, I've never felt like I was losing out on anything. Um, I am a little bit of a cheapskate. Um, I'm better than I used to be, but my sister used to tell me I could bleed money out of pennies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's like, you just squeeze the money out of them. Um, I'm not that bad any longer. It was when I was younger. But so I think that sustainability is often cheaper way to travel. So I wouldn't, I'm naturally inclined to go that direction. So, um, some of the the things that people might struggle with, like, yeah, giving up, um, I don't know, a nicer place to stay or, yeah, taking um, taxis or something. I, I've never really been a person that um, was into that, um, not thinking about it even from an environmental point of view when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So... I I haven't noticed anything that I've really um, 
told myself I have, I have to. Probably the one thing I struggle with in general in life is plastic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, plastic is everywhere and it's part of life. It's part of who we are as a society. So it is really hard to get away from it. Um, I try to as much as possible, but it is an inevitable uh, ethical question yeah. in normal life and in travel. But in travel, it can feel a little bit more because you need a, a mini toothpaste or you need you know, to buy a bottle of shampoo and you don't want to buy a big bottle, but <laughs> buying the little bottle isn't the sustainable. And you know, like, yeah. so I, I, sometimes I run into that where I'm like the plastic versus um, uh, convenience can mm-hmm. be really difficult. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And with everything, just being aware of it, I think helps. I don't know. It helps a lot to just be aware of your consumption. And then when you get home, maybe refill the little plastic shampoo Mm -hmm. bottle Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah. A lot of companies are better about having the screw tops rather than the one use ones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I try to keep those or, you know, stores will now sell the, especially because of flying, you know, the clear bottles. Um, so there are ways around that. But like I said, it just happens sometimes. You get somewhere and you're like, um, kind of need to do this thing. Yeah. So the way we travel, Tassie, you and I kind of trying to have a lighter impact is, or it could be more sustainable than the mass tourism that we've seen. Like you've seen it in Prague for a very long time and mass tourism is affecting Lisbon a little bit. So let's talk about that. Like how, what's up with mass tourism and how can we reduce the negative impact of that on our cities? Oh, it is the eternal question because on one hand, um, a lot of countries do a huge percentage of their business in tourism. I think a lot of European countries, like 10% of the GDP can be attributed to tourism. And when you get into into the Mediterranean countries, that can um, be even higher. So if you imagine so many people's livelihood is connected to tourism. You don't want to just say no more tourists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's not the answer. Yeah. On the other hand, when you go to a tiny town, I took you to Chesky Krumlov um, one time when you t- came to the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. beautiful little teeny tiny town, right? Like, I don't know, a couple thousand people live there maximum. Yeah. Um, and you have busloads of people that come from Prague and Vienna every day. They dump the people there for two or three hours. They don't really spend money there because they came on a bus. They had lunch at the ho- or the breakfast at the hotel. They might have lunch on the bus or, you know, they might be going to the next place. So, you know, they buy a souvenir or they spend a little bit of money, but it's not like they're dumping money there. And then they go away and basically they've used the services. They've used... Uh, the trash, they have walked around, but they haven't contributed to the economy. I think that's more when you see the frustration of cities um, where they say that mass tourism or towns, mass tourism isn't uh, sustainable. 
I know something the Czech tourist board has looked into is trying to move tourists from just going to the hot spots, right? So not just coming to Prague and being in one teeny tiny place in the center, but getting them to go explore outside of that, you know, to take a train half an hour out of the city and see some other uh, town or get them to go hiking in the mountains or kind of dissipate that tourism so that it's being absorbed and the money is going to other parts of the country. Um, and I think that's really important that if you are going and you're going to go to Lisbon or Berlin or Prague, that you don't just go to the three streets that are in the guidebook, but you actually go and spend money and explore places outside of the mass tourism. Yeah, I think that's true. And that's really important stuff. Um, and it's a good idea to get to know the culture a little bit more because mm. when you go to those little towns like Chesky Krumlov and you buy a souvenir, that souvenir was probably made in China anyway. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's the other thing I think to be really aware of um, when you are a mass tourist is where you're buying souvenirs from. Um, I see that in Rome a lot and it's hard to avoid. <laughs> as you just said, but, you know, you can buy the one euro magnets that are obviously made in China and turn them over and see they're made in China, or yeah. you can find some local artist place and you might pay five euros for the magnet, but you know that you're sitting next to the guy <laughs> that made it and really yeah. making his day. So, um, I mean, it's the privilege of having some money and some options. And I understand that not everyone has that. But um, I think thinking about how you invest your money when you travel is important. Yeah, that's so true. That's a good good advice. And something I love that you do is when you buy books in the cities and the places that you travel to. Yeah, I always try to find a local author published yeah. in English. Um, because when you travel, the best thing you can do is find the local English bookstore. Um, there's always an English section in every bookstore. But the local English bookstore usually has a vibe and you have some expat that moved there 20 years ago and they know everything. And it's, it's just always a lovely experience. Um, and then they always have some book and they go, yeah, this guy, he wrote this book because his grandfather lived here and blah, blah, blah. And it gives you a whole different context um, of the country and the history. I love that idea. That's a good way for my introverted self to meet someone. <laughs> to That's go true. To the, the That's English so true. <laughs> good mm -hmm. tip. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking about the way you travel. I I love it so much. Um, you gave us some really good ideas, and the way you travel, you get to really know the culture, which is kind of the point of traveling, and you don't make a negative impact on the planet. So it's a win for everybody. And I love that about you, Tassie. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> well, I have a couple more questions before we go. So can you tell me what frustrates you about the sustainability movement? I think that there is a perception that you it's all or nothing. That you either 
are 100% vegan. You never buy plastic. You don't use deodorant. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you're total granola child. Um, or you are the CEO of Satan's own company and you burn baby seals on the weekend. Um, right. <laughs> I, I think that there's a real problem um of perception of the in-between and I, I I saw actually I don't know if it was a meme or it was a post on Instagram a couple days ago and it was like if the idea of being vegan is really hard for you but you want to help the planet just be a be, be a vegan on Mondays <laughs> like, yep. you yep. don't have to um or be a vegetarian whatever you don't have to give up everything yeah. in order to give up something um, and yeah, I think that there's, um, a real beauty in balance and we as humans are quite bad at balancing ourselves. And I, I'm speaking to myself in this, this is not a judgment on other people. This is like, yeah, Tassie, remember balance. <laughs> um, so I would say that that's, that's probably, it's, it's an image issue of it's all or nothing. Yes. I love that. And that is why. I'm doing this half hippie thing to be like, you can be a half and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Still travel, but travel lightly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be a half hippie. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good. Thank you for that. I love that. Um, what's something you wish you were doing better? Uh, it, it's definitely the plastic and it probably for my whole life will be the plastic. Yeah. Um, finding ways to reduce and um, leave less of an impact when it comes to um, my use of plastic, my personal use of plastic. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that will just be the ever everlasting fight until they decide mushroom plastic is the way to go. <laughs> yeah. I know. Me too. Like when you get home from shopping and you're like, oh no, look at all this plastic I bought. But it, like in stuff that you needed, you didn't have a choice. Right. I feel like a lot of times we don't have a choice about how much plastic we consume. Mm -hmm. So, But it's, it is changing. I went, um, for example, yesterday, I was in the center and one of the chain grocery stores here is called Albert. Um, it probably comes from Austria or Germany. Um, and they just redid one of the shops and it's kind of, it kind of had the feeling for Americans out there. It kind of had the feeling of Aldi, you know, how Aldi is a little like, everything's kind of haphazard <laughs> well this one was <laughs> okay. this, this store was uh old school it'd been there for a long time and they have redone it redesigned it remodeled and it now looks like this super shiny golden new grocery store and I was like wow they redid Albert this is amazing and as I was walking through they now have a huge display of bulk things so yeah. you can get lentils, you can get popcorn, you can get, I don't know, everything um, in bulk. And they had the containers there that you can either buy the container or you can do the like you buy it and then return it, you know, yeah. the holding price or whatever. Um, and it's such a little thing that can make such a big impact. And it's accessible because mm -hmm. up until this point, you had to go to a specific grocery store or a 
hippie store, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one yep. of the bio organic stores. It was more expensive than buying it elsewhere. So it wasn't accessible. And now yeah. this is in just a normal grocery store. Yes. I love that. I'm obsessed with bulk food now. (laughs) Yeah. And putting it in more stores, I don't know. It makes it fun. And if you think about it, that's how our grandparents bought things. Mm -hmm. There wasn't plastic everything when they were growing up. So they would reuse their jars and containers and bring them to the bulk store and get Mm -hmm. their food and stuff. Yeah. Love it. So – are you optimistic about the future of sustainability and climate change and all that? I <laughs> swing. I swing dramatically between we're all going to burn and it'll be fine. Um, the, the most rational part of my brain is what humans do best is save themselves at the last minute. We're not great at for thinking out <laughs> yes. solutions. Um, we don't tend to go, oh, this is a good decision for 50 years from now. Um, we tend to kind of go fly by the pants sort of uh, decision making as a human race. Um, yeah. But in general, we do come around and figure things out before um, it's the last minute. So I'm optimistic in the way that I don't think we're going to annihilate ourselves. Um, But I think that there could be some very painful moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) until we get to the point where we make better decisions. Um, I think people are much more aware of climate change. I think the dissenting voices are much louder than the actual um, will of most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think companies know that things need to change economically as well as environmentally. Yeah. Um, so I think all of those, um, all those things are moving. They're they're beneath the surface. You know, like it's it's a it's about the depth, not about the strength right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that definitely those issues are there. And they're underneath the surface and it'll just be a matter of time when people go, oh yeah, we just got to do that. Yes. Thank you. You are always the voice of reason when I'm (laughs) falling off the cliff and you're like, no, no, Kara. (laughs) No, we've always, we've always done this and we've always recovered. So you give me hope. You always give me hope. (laughs) That's why the universe put us together. Yes. I need you. Thank you for that. That you're very right. You're very wise. And yeah, that's good. I I hope we get there a little faster um, for the people who are dealing with all of our trash and our lack of foresight. A lot Mm. of people are dealing with it firsthand and we're not seeing it yet. So I hope we get there faster for their sake. But Yeah, I think you're right. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) hope. Cross my fingers. (laughs) Well, let's keep traveling. Where's the first place you're going to go when we're allowed to travel again? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. It's like it doesn't even feel (laughs) – 
<laughs> I mean, not that it doesn't feel like it won't happen. It definitely feels like it'll happen, but it yeah. still feels like just just out of reach like if yeah. I reach out my arm it still feels like a centimeter away from the end of my fingers mm-hmm. um but I have some vouchers that need to be used because I had plane tickets that were canceled in 2020 yeah. so um if there are tickets to Malaga Spain <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the Mediterranean and I want to hear some Spanish and eat some tapas so yeah. that'll be high on my list. I don't know if it'll be first, but um, my little my little Viking soul needs some water on her toes. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's good. Maybe I'll meet you in Spain. Oh, that would be <laughs> lovely. Yes, thank you so much for sharing your travel wisdom and your infectious laugh with us and your wisdom Aww. about the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love being on your podcast. Isn't she just lovely? I really enjoy talking with Tassie about traveling and practical ways to reduce our impact on the planet without having it be our whole identity. Like it's just part of life for her and I really admire that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I want to thank Tassie. I popped some resources and some links for you in the show notes so you can check out some of the things that we mentioned and, of course, her great tips. So thank you to Tassie. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you soon.